Hello, everyone. I just have a couple things to let you know really quick before we get started with this episode. The first and maybe most important thing is that in the intro to this, we tell you that our next episode will be about Spice World and encourage you to find a way to watch it, despite the fact that it is out of print, out of copyright. Um, Since we recorded this, we found a way for you to watch it. It's on the Internet Archive and the link is in the show notes. So go watch it and enjoy yourselves because it's a fantastic, fantastic movie. Uh, Second thing, there was an incredible storm at Jesse's house while we were recording this episode. And some of the like rain sounds, I simply could not edit out of the background. Consider it some bonus ASMR. It's honestly quite soothing. But if you hear a, a sort of subtle roaring in the background, it's rain lashing the windows And finally, for the month of August, we are doing a, what is it, a promo for our sticker club. We want to get 40 new subscribers by the end of the month. And so if you join during the month of August, you will get two extra stickers from our back catalog in addition to the August sticker, which is a really great sticker. Um, It was Jesse's brainchild. I drew it. And I'm just so excited about it. I cannot even express it. I'm not going to spoil it, but I will tell you that it was inspired by the Lesbian Seagulls episode of You're Wrong About, if you happen to have listened to that. Um, All of the stickers in our sticker club are designed by either me or our friend Theo, or both of us. A lot of times we team up to make them, and I'm just like really proud of them and would love to share them with the world. You can join either in our shop, hashtag ruthless.com slash shop, or you can join as like a bundle with Patreon. So if you're already a patron, you can switch to a sticker tier. Or if you have been meaning to join our Patreon and you want to do that and get stickers, just choose one of the sticker tiers when you join. And you do save a little bit of money when you join that way, because basically both Patreon and our shop charge us like 30 cents plus 2.9% for every credit card fee. And by joining on Patreon, basically, like, we're only getting charged that fee the one time. So you save that fee when you join, like, both together. That's probably boring to a lot of people, but, like, we just love radical transparency. So I'm telling you anyway. So that's at patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless. And I think that is everything. So please enjoy this episode. Okay, here it is. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Planet, a podcast where two queer nerds talk about media we love. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm Jesse Blount, and welcome again to summer camp. I hope y'all are enjoying your hot dogs and roasted marshmallows, because we are back <laughs> for another 90s classic, another John Waters film, if you will, and that is 1990s Crybaby. It sure is. Um, Before I tell you what Crybaby is about, we're going to take care of our morning announcements. So first and most important, our Rocky Horror episode that would have been this week was postponed because of low ticket sales. So we won't be talking about Rocky Horror this summer camp. We'll be talking about it in October when 
the show has been postponed to, and we will obviously let you know when those tickets become available again. We heard from a lot of folks who were like, I'm going to be out of town. It's a Saturday in late July. I am not available to sit at my computer right now, so we'll do it in the fall. That's fine. Um, It'll be just as good then as it would have been now. Yeah. So um, instead of Rocky Horror Picture Show, we are going to be talking about Spice World. Yet another campy classic. Critically panned, perfect movie. Yeah. No, it is deeply entertaining and deeply weird, which is like both things that I love in a movie. Yeah. Um, It is not available to stream anywhere. It is out of publication. Uh, We very much encourage those of you who are too young or too old to have experienced this movie when it was available to um, find a way to watch it. Just... It's got to be there somewhere on the internet, and you sh- you should watch it. You won't be sorry. It's an incredible movie. So yeah, seek it out. And if you can't, just listen to us talk about it, because that'll be a blast also. It's going to be great. Um. Okay, last orders of business. We added a new page to our website about how all of the ways that you can support us, both financial and not financial, because you know, people like supporting us. We like it when you support us. And there are ways that you can do that that aren't like joining our Patreon. And we want that all to be in one place for you. So that'll be in the show notes. But also, if you just go to hashtag ruthless.com, and they're like in the drop down menu, click support our work, you will see it. It's very easy. It's got bullet points. That's what I'm trying to say, you know, yeah, easy to access. Yeah, and if you have been enjoying uh, Summer Camp, you should definitely go to Apple iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Uh, that helps people find us, and it also just makes us feel great when people are like, I love your show. Yeah, and we haven't said in a while, we're doing a thing where if you screenshot your five-star re- written review and email it to us at hashtag ruthlesspods at gmail.com, You'll be entered into a giveaway to get a sticker and 10 of the first 50 people who do that will get a sticker. I encourage international folks to do it because we don't see your reviews. Apple only lets us see ones from the U.S. So like if you want us to know about the nice things you said, email them to us. It makes us happy. Yeah. So, yeah. And with that. (laughs) And with that, let me tell you about what Crybaby is about. Crybaby is a 1950s musical love story about Crybaby Walker, a drape, and Allison Vernon Williams, a square. Allison starts the movie so tired of being good and is wooed by Crybaby and his gang of juvenile delinquents to Turkey Point, the hangout run by his grandma and her husband. Allison's ex and his gang of squares start a brawl and get everyone arrested. Crybaby gets sent to jail but is released thanks to the power of love and music. The movie ends with Crybaby and Allison's ex playing chicken for her heart, which Crybaby obviously wins. The end. And today's headline, Baltimore Gora realizes she's too hip to be square. She is. <laughs> she's a scrape. Part square, uh, part drape. Oh, <laughs> uh, <sighs> Incredible. Yeah, we're going to get into it in the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Will you please kick us off? All right. So starting off with that 
Like every John Waters film, we see some familiar faces. Of course, Mink Stole, who I literally think is in every John Waters movie he's done. And first appearance for Patty Hearst, who uh, we mentioned earlier appears in Serial Mom. And this is actually her, the first movie that she did with him because she's been uh, out of the limelight for or trying to be out of the limelight. But she's like, this John Waters, <laughs> this seems great. And it's like, excellent. Yeah. Oh, God, and she fucking kills it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, she is so good in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> listeners, she is uh, Wanda's mom, in case you don't know who we're talking about. Uh, she plays the crossing guard, and she, like, starts... Oh, my God. Just, like, the beginning of this movie. Sorry, I'm, like, derailing your point, but... no. We get this, like, beautiful introduction of, like, all of our characters and also their parents, like, really pretty immediately after the opening credits. And we meet her as the crossing guard where she's, like, guiding them across the street. And she's, like, look left, look right, good teenagers. And, like, (laughs) the good teenagers. So good. Yeah, her, like, clueless support of her daughter is both very touching and also just like, yeah. Yeah. When she's it's, like, it's, it's just good. It's so good. Judge, can we take Wanda the fuck home? <laughs> that is one of my favorite lines in this movie. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Did you, sorry. Do you want to talk about more? Uh, face people that we see in the in the movie. Oh, right. And then, of course, we get Ricky Lake, who is in quite a few 90s John Waters films, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, famously Hairspray. But also, in this movie, playing <laughs> a pregnant teenage girl who doesn't give a fuck. Incredible. I think that would be all I made notes about. Yeah. I can't think of anyone else right off the top of my head. But, yeah, so... I guess resuming the sort of like opening of the movie, that's really my first point because it's just such a strong opening. I think one of the really lovely things about movies that aren't like taking themselves very seriously is that you can do this kind of really heavy handed character establishment stuff that's happening here where we just like, we don't just meet our main characters. We also meet their families like immediately. And it's like, everyone is such an extreme caricature so like hatchet face's parents are literally like cigarette dealers (laughs) like selling cigarettes was three for a nickel outside of the high school yeah and i love about that is it doesn't necessarily add anything to the movie because everyone's parents is in like two scenes tops except for crybaby and penny's grandparents pepper pep sorry uh pennies from hairspray yeah uh crybaby and uh pepper's grandparents so they really like the parents don't even need to be there for everyone else but it's just an extra layer of funny it's just like it's there because it's funny and i'm like thank you (laughs) yes oh man yeah it it does it does it just makes it so much better and i guess allison's grandmother is also in more of the movie too but i just love also like we have our our drapes and you know crybaby and hatchet face have maybe the kind of parents that people would like stereotypically assume that these sort of like 
bad white kids would have, right? Where, like, Ramona and Belvedere are, you know, criminals who run this, like, illegal music venue, and then, like, Hatchetface's parents are cigarette dealers. But then we also have the, like, uber-conservative Christians, like, speaking in tongues parents, and these, like, just clueless suburbia, like, pinnacle of clueless white people and it's like their children also are drapes and i i don't know that feels there's so much incredible social commentary in this movie and i think that giving us where each of these kids comes from actually is part of the smartness of this character establishment yeah because even in this like deeply unserious movie it feels very realistic to be like okay sometimes the like what people consider the like teen punks or the teen or the teen thugs or like kids who have a rough upbringing, but some, but like that's not always true, and that's not necessarily true, you know. Yeah, I feel like it was in an episode of You Are Good where uh, Aubrey Gordon was on to talk about hairspray, and I think it was her said that John Waters movies are like movies about queer people played by like straight characters and that's obviously true and like very succinctly stated and so having i think especially milton coming from you know the like evangelicals feels like a very very queer commentary yeah thing you know even yeah. though him and hatchet face are like a straight couple with like the biggest fucking air yeah. quotes you can throw around that. The, the biggest quotation marks yeah and it's just like an, a kind of excellent reminder that scary fundamentalists aren't a new thing like people who grew up in the 50s and 60s knew kids who were deeply affected by scary fundy christians you yeah. know like they've they've been here in the background really since the creation of america to be perfectly honest (laughs) but yeah yeah to have his to have his parents be weird fundies i was like yeah and baltimore being like i mean i i don't know a lot about baltimore but like i assume because it's sort of like hovering on like is this the south land yeah but i feel like it's also hovering on like is this a rust belt city right yeah no i just because like we associate speaking with in tongues with like sort of the north the north or south right like um appalachia area i'm trying so hard to remember the brand of christianity that does that pentecostal yes yes thank you (laughs) and yeah like i associate that very much with like kentucky area um but i think it makes sense that that would be like in baltimore too from my like limited understanding of what baltimore is like yeah, and I just mean, like, in general, and this happens in a lot of, like, northern, even though Baltimore is sort of on the cusp of being, like, literally the line between north and south, essentially, in this country. But so many northern cities, like Detroit, like, a ton of people from the south migrated to get, like, factory jobs and to not work shitty agricultural jobs. So it right. makes sense to me that there would be this sort of strong through line of, like, southern culture in Baltimore, because I'm like, that's kind of just the history of like the 21st century is right. the like sort of a uh, creation of the American cities due to industry. Mm-hmm. Look how deep we're getting already. All right. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you have next? 
So Allison's grandma calls tight pants hysterectomy pants. Yes. And I'm like, that would make such a good punk band name. It sure would. <laughs> <laughs> um, right in that same scene, she is like chastising Allison for being like drawn to the drapes. And she says that they wear clothes that were designed by homosexuals. And I was like, there's a t-shirt in there. Should we make a t-shirt that says designed by homosexuals? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I feel like I want to say yes, but I don't know if people would buy it. So people let us know. Yes, please let us know if you want a designed by homosexuals shirt. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be in like a a fifties font, you know. Yeah, I think we could make it good. I've yeah, maybe the font that's like in the the opening credits, like yeah. that's a really good font and like color scheme, whatever. Yeah, that was actually my next point, but I do also want to say that in that same scene when like Mrs. Vernon Williams is being shitty to like the the drapes. <laughs> Hatchet face is like sometimes shook up old ladies get cut. (laughs) 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 It's so good. She like licks a knife. I can't even. I love literally everything about that. I'm not gonna lie. I know. Uh, The fact that Pepper's son is named Snare Drum (laughs) is like deeply cute. I like. I can't be mad that that is the cutest name. Like, I want, like, that has to go on my, like, future pet naming list because it's so fucking cute. Yeah. If you ever adopt, like, you know, paired kittens, Snare Drum and Susie Q would be excellent. Oh, you're right. That'd be so good. My problem with, like, thinking about getting cats in the future is that I mostly want cats so that I can name them certain things and it's always like paired names so I'm like if I ever get a cat I have to get two cats and that's like not a good reason to get cats so that you can name them things don't do that but (laughs) this is great to give me ideas someone who's gonna foster cats to be like what do we name what do we name these kittens and I feel like names from crybaby is a really good idea that's true I wish that we knew what Pepper was going to name the kid that she has in the car at the end of the movie. You mean that full-ass, like, seven-month-old that they're, like, playing off as a newborn? I love it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, man. So good. Okay. What do you have next? When all of the teens are at the courthouse after the squares literally ruin everything... And their parents have to show up, and Hatchet Face's mom in the iron lung, just them, like rolling the iron lung in, is so ridiculous. And also really great because I'm like, if you if you like read history, you're like, the fuck is an iron lung? And then you see it, you're like, holy shit, what? Like, listener, she's essentially in a like a like a coffin size metal tube with just like her face sticking out smoking <laughs> smoking <of> extremely <laughs> importantly <laughs> <laughs> on a like gurney cart essentially yeah. oh <laughs> and, my God. Just... <laughs> and she says this line 
where she, like she gets yelled at for smoking in the courtroom and she's like why i pay taxes on cigarettes don't i and what do those taxes get me happiness hell no <laughs> and i'm like and i'm like i honestly can't even fault that logic to be perfect I know. <laughs> I can already tell that I'm going to, like, be so sore from smiling by the end of this recording. Um, I really love it when Ramona is, like, they're in her and Belvedere's house, which I have to contain my excitement for the style and fashion section. But, like, they're in there and she's sort of, like, going around the group, like, praising all of the teens and, like, hyping them up. I'm not going to say, like, all of the things that she says, even though every single one is incredible. I particularly love when she tells Milton that he's everything that a man should be. Young, stupid, and mean. Another great t-shirt. Just, like, what? Oh, God, I just... Which is, like, funny, because it's, like... Milton doesn't seem mean like him no, and had to face so kind of like nice. this like beautiful <laughs> relationship, this beautiful queer relationship. Yeah, yeah, I know. Ramona is so is so, is so great. Oh God, I love her. All right, my next thing is just the scene where after Crybaby goes to jail, and Allison's sad about hearing about Lenore. Lenora. Uh, Lenora being like, we got together, we're having his baby. And she's like crying into a jar and then she drinks it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know why it grosses, it grossed me out. But I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's like pretty intense. Um, I would like to talk about the scene where Allison and Crybaby sort of talk to each other about being orphans. Mm-hmm. I, okay, so listeners, if you haven't watched it, I'm just going to like tell you everything. I'm sorry. So Allison, they're like making out while they're doing this too, which I just think is incredible. They're bonding because like orphans have special needs. And <laughs> Allison's like, my parents died. They It was their first business trip and their first time going on an airplane. And they took separate planes so that if one plane crashed, I would still have a parent. But crybaby, both planes <laughs> crashed. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And then um, there's a storm, much like there is at Jesse's house right now. And there's some lightning and Crybaby flips out and goes, electricity makes me insane. (laughs) And (laughs) rips open his shirt to reveal an electric chair tattoo. And the fact that his parents died in the electric chair because his daddy was the alphabet bomber and was bombing places by name. Like going going through the, the alphabet. Airport. Wait, what is the B? Barbershop? Yes. Courthouse? I think so. And like, I I don't know. Like, someone sent John Waters, like, a bouquet of flowers for specifically coming up with this idea. It is the silliest thing I have ever it's, heard. It's so, it's so silly. <laughs> oh, it's... It's just, it's so ridiculous. And it's just played totally straight. And where it's just like, this is my serious pain. And I'm like, deep, deeply funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh my God, I can't. I just like, 
I'm like, I can't talk about this without just giggling. It's not good podcasting. So I'm just going <laughs> to have to move on. Speaking of orphans, mm-hmm. at some point, Pepper's children are taken away from her by the state because she's poor, which mm-hmm. is a terrible thing. And so her and her grandparents dress like squares to go adopt, rescue her children. <laughs> And this orphanage, they go inside and it's just like individual or two orphans in these like almost diorama like glass. It looks kind of like, what is it? A like the reptile room in a zoo. It's like glass, clear glass window. And they're just like in a little like shallow cage, essentially with like one kid is like ironing a little child iron and one kid's like on a hobby horse. And it's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what the actual like it looks great like the whole like the aesthetics of it looks great and it's also great because they like lock the mean lady at the orphanage into one when they escape and like free all the children yes just... and the fact that they like don't want snare drum and Susie q to be adopted i guess because they're like too rambunctious and so they dress them as if they're conjoined twins so that people like won't want them or whatever it's honestly like i had put this in the politics section because I really feel like there's something actually being said here about sort of like the system as a whole. Because even though it's like so, so silly, it really is like talking about something real. Yeah, I yeah, I feel like all of the sort of systems that we encounter are just like put in a really bad light in a way that is deeply satisfying to me. Yeah, yeah. I also think there's something so incredible about the fact that instead of doing like a really like sort of saccharine, like overwrought signage for the orphanage, it's literally in like the spooky font. It's just like Chatterbox <laughs> Orphanage, like, right. like a horror <laughs> movie title. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I think there's just so much of I feel like it's very much John Waters. Like, he's the kind of person who basically inhales films in a way that is, like, he just loves pulling from, like, mid-century movies in a way where it's, like, yeah, it's very much, like, Dracula's Manor kind of, like, weird Victorian-ish building and, like, creepy font. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just, like, (sighs) Yeah. All right, my last thing here is the ending of the movie. Where everything works out, like literally the end where we just get every single character with like the one crybaby tear and just like a a close up on their face. And then it like pauses and then it like goes to the next person. And it's so fucking goofy. And there's no other way that this movie could have ended. Yeah, no, it's a it's kind of a it's kind of a perfect ending, I think. Yeah. Uh, My last thing is actually also about towards the end of the movie. Okay. Where Pepper's boyfriend, I don't know, did we get his name? I don't think he has a name. That's fine. Is like, at the very end, he's like, will you marry me? And like, both of her kids are like, yeah! And like, she says yes. And it's just like, very cute. Because, you know, you don't really get the sense that he is her kid's dad. He's definitely not. Because he like, shakes their hands and a like, I'm going to be your new dad way. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's so great. Yeah. I don't even necessarily think that he's the dad of the child that she has in the car. I don't think so either. And I'm just like, you're so fucking adorable. Like, you're... That's like, I don't know. It just makes me very warm fuzzy. Yeah, no, that 
it yeah it like means so much to me that pepper had that that's her character resolution of this movie yeah unapologetic team mom i love it Welcome to the style and fashion section where we talk about aesthetics. Oh my god, so much. I just want to start with like Ramona Ricketts as a let's just go through everything she does. All right, let's do it. She has a hat that is a taxidermy duck for starters. It, it like shouldn't work. It really <laughs> literally shouldn't work. But the fact that she pairs it with a like dirty jumpsuit that is like un- unbuttoned or unzipped to like about under her ribcage with like her boobs just like in a bra or whatever it's like she's wearing like a bustier under it thank you yeah it's just what a, what an aesthetic like i'm like you 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 are fashionable you were fashion if you if i saw someone today wearing that i'd be like damn i know that is bold but it honestly works it works so well <laughs> <laughs> The fact, I mean, I th- and I think this is true for a lot of people in this movie, like, everyone's really messy. Like, it's a John Waters movie. Everything's really messy. Ramona constantly, her teeth are just smeared with lipstick. And that doesn't, you're just like, you're so hot. Like, you're this, like, chain-smoking 50-something lipstick-smeared, really rough around the edges lady, and you're so fucking hot (laughs) i mean truly honestly truly um she also she also wears that like petticoat at the end at the end like with multicolored multiple colored layers yes yeah oh my god incredible yeah um there's also is she's wearing a like almost white tool fitted outfit when her and pepper and her Belvedere. husband Belvedere are like going to the like welfare office or whatever and they're like pelted with tomatoes by all of the fucking squares because they're mm. bigoted pieces of shit but I feel like she, is she wearing a white like a white outfit that's like somehow sheer-ish it's I think so yeah it's excellent it is I would yeah I can't remember it exactly but yes I love that all of their outfits are like tear away too so that as soon as they need to, like, reveal who they are, they're just like, <laughs> surprise, we're punk as fuck. Oh, yeah, when they're at the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that scene is so funny. I actually do sort of, especially, like, Ricky Lake's, like, weird sailor-style dress that she's like, this is my best square square drag. Yeah. <laughs> just like, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so can we talk about their house, her and Belvedere's house? Yes. It's like the like the gothest bar you can imagine, listeners. Yeah, there's like some of the walls are like leather. Mm-hmm. Everything is red. I think all the walls are red. And there's like skulls everywhere and like cool neon lights. Yeah. And like aside from the unfortunate fucking flags everywhere i would change nothing like those are the only thing that i think i would change about this decor i would i would change that and also maybe at least like one window because there's no windows (laughs) fair i mean i couldn't have that be my whole house but i could have that be like my basement room that i hang out in yeah 
I mean, that'd be an, a great look for a like basement hangout space. Yeah, yeah. The inside of their house is incredible. They have that fucking <laughs> thing that spinny wall. The, the spinny wall. <laughs> the, re- the revolving wall. What are those? I don't even know what those called, but yes. How do you even? Just, this is my like living with a builder brain kicking in, where I'm like the amount of room that that takes up. Like, how can you? fit that in the space that we saw obviously you can't it's a movie it doesn't matter it's incredible and i would not change it for the world yeah i would so good okay yes what's next uh i think we should just move on to just the the drapes aesthetic okay (laughs) literally my second note that the the drapes are just an excellent gender is just what i have yes (laughs) you are correct uh, like every uh, all all of the drapes that we see, their looks are just like mm, like just chef's kiss. Like everyone's wearing a black motorcycle jacket, unless you're Dupree and you're wearing a fur the covered vest. It's like it's like a denim vest that has fur over it. <laughs> it's so impeccable. Yeah, yeah, like literally no notes. Everything everyone wears is fucking perfect. Oh my god, so much leather. And like all of the ladies have like the like scarves that are like tied to the side that like look really great. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I just mm. specifically the outfits that Wanda and Hatchet Face are wearing at the Turkey Point co- concert. Wanda's in this like white, like, you know, 50s pinup style polka dot dress that's slit to fucking <laughs> All the way. All the way. Yeah, truly. Um, and then Hatchet Face is wearing like a like a tank top jumpsuit that's like cinched really tight around her waist. Oh yeah, the God. like the jumpsuit and her like yellow scarf is like, oh this no notes, hundred percent flawless. Yep. Actually, I also have to say that I love Allison's like, oh, we gotta put her in a drape look, and it's just like tight black pants and like a green top, but it looks great. She looks so great, yeah. And so much more her, you know? It's like the drape was living inside all along, just waiting. Yeah, yeah it's it's a little bit like at the end of Grease, where what's-her-face, Olivia Newton-John, is like in all black and like a leather jacket, and you're like, this is what you should have been wearing the whole movie. You look Yeah, incredible. totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I also want to point out that when Wanda is like moving out of her parents' house, and they have the like dutch foreign exchange student she's wearing a really excellent white dress that has like red accents i think at like the the neckline and like some other places i'm pretty sure she's wearing a scarf and her leather jacket and i'm just like yes um a thing that i like extremely love is obviously we see allison's grandmother go on like a real emotional journey that i'm sure we'll get into somewhere but when they're at the theme park opening and like Ramona comes up to her, they have this bonding moment where Ramona gives her a little skull pin and she like sticks it to her little corsage thing that she's wearing. Yeah. It's so cute. She's a scrape like, too. Yeah, and it's really funny because like uh listeners, Allison's grandma is wearing a like old lady church dress. It's uh black with white dots or flowers on it and like has like a white lace collar and she's wearing like a black wide brim church hat. So for her to have the like skull and crossbones pin on her shoulder is like <laughs> Yeah, she's already wearing a sort of white 
fake flower pin on her collar. And so she puts the skull and crossbones sort of in, nests it in the center of that. And I mean, honestly, I would, I would wear that if I was dressing up for some reason and had a, whatever they're called. What are they called? The flower thing that matches a corsage. A boutonniere? Yeah. No, it's incredible, and it would look really good in a boutonniere, for Mm -hmm. sure. As it does in, like, a funny corsage. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Allison's grandma, I don't remember her name. Mrs. Vernon Williams. I actually don't think she has a first name. Mrs. Vernon Williams. She is wearing... I don't remember which scene it is. I think listening to the radio talk, talking about Cry Baby, and she's wearing this, like, pink gown that's, like, off-the-shoulders gown that's very much old rich like it looks it's very much looks like uh something that a rich lady in a like classic movie would wear yeah (laughs) and i'm like i love it seriously you look great (laughs) yeah she does look great um my last note which i don't know if this should be my last note but whatever it is the last note that i took for some reason is the red dress that allison wears to convince the judge to let crybaby out of prison. Oh, it's so it's so incredible. Stunning. Do you have anything else here? Um, just that I am a sucker for at the end of this movie, we can see Allison is wearing stocking and garters, which I'm here for in any application. Yeah. Um, they look great. Yep. Oh, she looks incredible on the back of that motorcycle. She sure does. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. All right. So uh, I have a little bit of movie trivia about Wanda, a.k.a. Tracy Lords, mm-hmm. which for listeners who aren't aware, was very famous in the 80s for being in a lot of porn movies where she lied about her age and then the industry slash the FBI found out. And so they had to literally confiscate every video or like photo shoot she was in before she was 18 but apparently and so that's why it's in politics it's like that's a whole it's pretty fucked up i like have read about that before like the company that she worked for got in so much trouble and i like i think that's incredibly fucked up (laughs) like they did their due diligence they like got her birth certificate it was fake that's not on them yeah so apparently the fbi was like investigating her when they were making this movie um she is 22 when when she's making this movie by the way and apparently the cast and crew were like super supportive of her and i guess because i guess john waters was like everyone in the cat like everyone in the cast in the crew for sure has been like arrested at some point (laughs) they were all like telling her about like their various run-ins with the law because again john waters was a weird gay freak like stealing records and making weird movies in the 70s of course all of his people all of his friends who are helping him make movies have like been arrested for shit yeah yeah uh and she just i don't know i guess she speaks really fondly of this time and just like what a really supportive atmosphere it was for her during this understandably i'm sure difficult time yeah that's lovely i don't know yeah i think everything else is more serious stuff <laughs> obviously yeah yeah Um, I mostly, I just have sort of like, 
the discussion of race in this movie and like what it's doing as like one big politics point as opposed to having like broken it into sections. No, that's fair. I personally, and like, maybe I'm not correct. I think that it's really well done. I think that it's like, I think I got like nervous because I, I try not to read other people's feelings about things that we're going to talk about before we talk about them. But I like accidentally ended up on this review that was like, really, really critical about the way that race is addressed in this movie. And like, it was by a white person. I was like, not trying to take it too seriously but they were like it's not overt enough people like it's really easy to miss it's like whatever and I was like is it though or are you just like bad at reading (laughs) I mean I think so like what I have in my notes is that the villain of this movie is the like white suburban heteropatriarchy you know and I think Maybe some of the nuances I could see being missed by a white male watcher of this movie. Because really, like, the squares, and especially Baldwin, who is Allison's ex-boyfriend, and just, like, the sort of... But the, like, the racism and the overt classism, and just, like, the sheer cruelty and violence of Baldwin and his pack of just, like, crew-cut, preppy, clothes-wearing crew is just... Like the contrast between them and the drapes is just very stark. It's like, yeah. no, these people, nothing, literally nothing that we see the drapes do is as worse as what we see the squares do. And it's right. often like what they are doing is like worse, you know? And like, it's very clear why Allison wants to escape this like rigid gender and whiteness and class system and hierarchy where she's just like, I don't want this shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like really frustrated with myself for having like read this thing because now I'm like thinking about all of my stuff in the context of it. And I like tried to stop and I'm just going to have to go with it because whatever. Um, A lot of the criticism was about like, like the arrest scene and like who gets released and who ends up in prison. And like the fact that like the white kids that are arrested are taken away in like a paddy wagon and the black kids that are arrested are taken away in this like I don't know how to describe it. Like a truck with like wood and... It's like a hayride with no hay and it's like surrounded by barbed wire. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, what? That's that's the point. Like, I'm not sure how you're reading that as like the movie being racist when like that is literally... Like, that's... It's talking about that. Like, I don't know. That's what it's doing. (laughs) It's clearly highlighting the way in which er everyone is being treated by the police and the courts where it's like, even though all of the squares did literally thousands of dollars of property damage and could have killed multiple people, they're like getting first aid and right. All of the white drapes are putting put in a paddy wagon and all the black drapes are being carted off in a, this literal unsafe looking barbed wire cart. And yeah. I'm like, that is the commentary. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then all of the white drapes aside from Crybaby, get released into their parents' custody too. And like, I just, I guess, I just feel like it's so, like, there's so much intention, like, at Turkey Point, which is, I think, probably illegally integrated. I don't know if integrated is the right word, but, like... Uh, I'm Yeah, I'm assuming so, since it's, like, supposed to be 54 or 55. So, yes, it is yeah. illegally integrated. So, and there, I think we would, we have, like, a maybe, like, 75-25 white people to black people ratio, and then we get to the prison, and it's, like, 90% black people and 10% white people. So it's not like a, 
you know, oh, we just mostly chose white extras situation. It's like very clearly intentional talking about not just like the system, but I think it's also super intentional and like really good commentary on like, like nostalgic 50s media too. Yeah. And like, you know, movies like Grease and everything in that sort of genre where whiteness is just the only thing that's represented. And I, I, yeah, it's like, it's just so good. I just think it's like really, really well done. And if people miss it or think that it's too subtle, I think that's a them problem. No, I think it is a them problem of like, well, you clearly don't understand the intricacies of race and class in this, in America. Right. So if you if you're not picking up on like the intentional directorial choices that John Waters is making, I believe did he write this movie? I'm sure he did. Yeah. So, so yeah. the irony of like and God, I think this is probably like the maybe the best piece of it is like when you know the the movie is centered around Crybaby and like his need to be with Allison, this girl he's talked to three times. And, like, everyone's very invested in their love story. So, like, he has to break out of prison to, like, redeem himself because Lenora has lied about them being engaged, whatever. Um, And so he sings the song about needing to, like, break out of prison to, like, go get Allison. And, like, everyone that's working with him in, like, the license plate stamping space is, like, singing with him. And, again, it's, like, Crybaby and maybe, like, two other white people and, like, everyone else there is black. And he's singing the lines of the song are like, cut these shackles off of me. Like I need to be free. And it's like, so, so clearly like doing a thing of being like, this is so ridiculous that this like white man is singing these lyrics because he needs to go like prove himself to a girl. And the irony is like oozing out of the screen in a way that feels really poignant. Yeah. And I feel like also, and that maybe this is also a point that's missed by white people who have not been enough black people, who have not been around enough black people to realize, to be able to differentiate between black people. But a majority, I mean, not a majority, a lot of the black people we, a lot of the black Jews that we see in the jail with Crybaby were, were clearly arrested when the turkey, turkey point is, you know, when the cops show up. And it's like, oh, you've been there for like, the past week <laughs> or right. however the fuck long this movie's timeline is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I don't know. Honestly, I think because it's not as spoon fed as the like race commentary in hairspray, it's maybe why people are like, what? I yeah. Maybe. So yeah. Yeah. Just, I think, again, like we talked about with Serial Mom, I think there's just something so delicious about a movie that has, like, this much to say and this much to, like, confront their audience with while also just being fun. Just fucking fun the whole time. Yeah. And, like, you can have both is rare and special, and it just means... So much to me to be able to have yeah. both. And I mean, I really think it also just points out to this sort of reason why we need more. All right. Like, I know that John Waters is a, like, cis white dude. And there's a lot of cis white dudes making movies. But, like, I don't know. John Waters is a, like, queer weirdo who's been making weird queer shit. And, like, 
isn't someone who's like i'm only palling around with other like middle class people it's like no let me hang out with the like freaks quote unquote of society and like the fact that that and his sort of i think level of empathy for sort of outcasts and freaks like really comes through in all of his movies and i just feel like i feel like it's much harder to feel that empathy when it's just like middle class rich white dudes who are like making movies yeah yeah i think the contemporary thing that we talk about that we've had these kinds of conversations about mainly is our flag means death where it's like yeah look we can we can have fun and have important conversations at the same time we should also talk about the confederate flag motif right yeah (laughs) yeah my first note about that is that is there anything more white trash than big ass confederate flags everywhere right i think what i was also thinking about is that throughout this whole movie it's sort of like the, the drapes talk a big talk but the sort of like kindness and empathy and community amongst them is just so much it has so much more heart than the sort of soulless cruelty of the squares and so i kind of feel like that's almost like what these confederate flags kind of feel like where it's like i mean especially now it's like you see a confederate flag and you're, you're a fucking trump voting racist like yeah come on and i feel like here i don't necessarily feel as tense about it because it just feels like another bit of like blustering where it's like yeah southern pride and it's like clearly not if you're like letting the like weird gay black punks hang out also at at turkey point and like danced and like you know it's really just like sort of the like aesthetics of quote-unquote like white trash and not necessarily the sort of bigotry that can come with that Mm -hmm. you know yeah i think that's a good point I also, I mean, I was three in 1990, so I don't know, like, what the conversation about, like, the use of the Confederate flag in that way was at this point. So I, like, actually have, like, not really a way to know what what kind of point John Waters was making with it 33 years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I almost said 23 years ago and was like, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think because I feel like, okay, I feel like prior to, let's say like eight or 10 years ago where it really has emerged as a like white supremacist thing, maybe longer than that. Because I feel like when I was like a teen, I would really only ever see the Confederate flag when there used to be a like country music festival downtown called the hoedown <laughs> and that would and it would be of course like full of the most scariest like cowboy boot wearing confederate flag t-shirt scary white people but i was but it was very much like i don't know where you guys are at but you don't necessarily have like a big ass confederate flag hanging like from your truck necessarily right. and i feel like over the past like 10 or 15 years it's slowly become a like this is a I mean, not, I mean, I don't think even dog whistle is really the word I want to... Just, like, a signal that oh, yeah. you are a white supremacist. Yeah. Know? Especially definitely. in a state like Michigan, where it's like, this This is a, like, what? Right. So. Yeah. Welcome to the essay section, where we talk about our relationships with this movie. You want to start? I will start. Um, all right. So during our Serial Mom conversation, I mentioned that I watched a lot of the John Waters film, film filmography 
um, in my early 20s. This, weirdly, was not one of them. I don't think I watched this until I met my wife, Nicole, and she was like, we should watch this. And I'm like, how have I never seen this? Let's do it. (laughs) So, and obviously it's great. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's still a few other John Barnes movies that I haven't seen yet either. But, yeah, I guess I'm not really sure how I missed watching this. Um, I don't remember like how I met this movie or the first time that I watched this movie. But like I said earlier, I have seen this movie more times than I can count. I've been thinking like, mostly since we started this podcast about like the number of times that I want to say that a movie is my favorite movie and being like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean for a thing to be your favorite? And because I would absolutely say that Crybaby is like, one of my favorite movies. And I think that what I mean here is that this is a movie that at any moment, if someone was like, do you want to watch Crybaby right now? My answer will always be yes. Like I, I always want to watch Crybaby. It's a movie that I like reference a lot. Like it's obviously extremely quotable. I have large portions of this movie memorized and I like (laughs) use quotes from it in my daily life. Which also means that I watch it with people a lot because I'll like quote something from it and they're like, what? And I'm like, cry baby. And they're like, what? And I'm like, stop everything. We're watching a movie right now. Like this second. It is very important to me that you watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I just really, I love musicals and I love things that are silly and smart and campy. And every single actor in this movie is like giving it a 15 and crushing it and i just love it yeah yeah i feel like honestly i also at this point in my life i'm like my favorite movies are the one where right i could watch it at any given time and watch it over and over again and would like just never be tired of it (laughs) i uh totally understand no this is so rewatchable i mean it's just it's yeah i guess i'm just like why isn't this as acclaimed as like hairspray you know yeah i i also wonder that hairspray is incredible it's like a really really good movie but this also is a really really good movie and i think yeah yeah it deserves for people to watch it because it will just make you happy and yeah that's a good thing yeah a double feature of like hairspray and crybaby i mean i'm just saying y'all yep agreed Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. What's your first rant? I have to say that I am so envious about Turkey Point and that these kids just like this is like the teen hangout. Mm-hmm. And I like want this for like all teens and still for myself. Like it's yeah. an open air, like dance hall. We're just chilling and everything. They're swimming too. Yeah. There's like a lake, there's like some grass to hang out in. It's like, this is the ideal spot, truly. Yeah, same. I completely agree. I want to go there right now. I know. And you can (sighs) hang out and not buy shit. I'm just like, I want it. Yeah. (laughs) I want it so much. Just live music and dancing and everything's cute. Right. I'm sure someone is selling snacks out of the back of their car, and I would buy it because it's probably good as fuck. Yep, totally. 
Um, yeah. Okay. So Allison's grandmother goes on a real journey in this movie. One that she sure does is not explained. It's so funny. She's like a completely different woman at the end of this movie than she is at the beginning of this movie. And it's truly, it seems like her motivation. And I think this, you know, this is really the movie like leaning into itself being a musical, you know, it's like commenting on its own musicalness because like right. her whole motivation is like caring about music. So it's like she doesn't say crybaby deserves, you know, a second chance when they're in the courtroom. She says if he has musical talent, I'm willing to give him a second chance. I know. It's like over and over again where she's like, well, he can sing. So I think that he deserves to be free. And it's so weird and so silly. And like, I fucking, I don't, I just love it. It's so bizarre. <laughs> and then she gets a like weird, like a boyfriend of the judge who was like super racist and bigoted earlier in the movie. And it's like, I guess everyone's coming around. Sounds great. Yeah, because it doesn't, it seems like he's going to change, like, to be with her, and she has changed out of love of music. Um, The fucking burn that she delivers when he, like, what does he say when she's uh, advocating? Is that the word I mean? For Crybaby? And he's like, are you aware that there were Negroes present? And she, like, fucking gives him the evil eye and is like my granddaughter is fond of all kinds of music and he like the judge is like yeah. oh shit <laughs> right really exactly oh <laughs> uh, yeah he's really gonna have to level up if he's gonna be with her yeah stop being such a tool of the yeah yeah anyway yeah no yeah she yeah she has a whole story arc for like <laughs> like a background story arc it's just kind of incredible yeah she's she really loves love and she really loves music and she's like allison i want you to have both and this kid is really fucking hot and he can sing and he loves you and that's all i want for you yeah exactly and he didn't kidnap me in a game of chicken so yeah that's good in my book <laughs> though she's she, like um She's arguing for Crybaby even before that at the yeah. at the theme park. She's like, choose the man who loves you most, which is maybe not the best way, but like her intentions are good. You know what is actually interesting to me? Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, we watched Titanic, which I had not seen, I think, since I was a teen. Um, a lot of it holds up still very well. Uh, Kate Winslet, still a complete babe, obviously. But... <laughs> the first half of Titanic is essentially like this movie where it's like poor kid from the others from like a lower economic status falls for a like higher class lady and she's like I want something different and real and he's like come be real with me and it's like you know yeah I don't know why I was thinking about that but I'm just like this is a much better ending than Titanic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely yeah and so, I don't know, it's just sort of like, it's like this movie is like both poking fun of like teen rom-coms, but also like is still a teen rom-com that has a happy ending. Yeah. You know? Yep. It really does. Yeah. <sighs> uh, my only other thing here is uh, 
talking about sort of uh, both Hatchet Face and Pepper's desirability in this movie and how much I love it. I just, yeah, I just think it's so good and so (laughs) important. I don't know. Um, I guess for the listener who hasn't watched the movie, Hatchet Face is a very beautiful, what I read they said they were casting for someone with the body of Jane Mansfield and the face of someone who I didn't know what the reference was, but like that, you know, whatever they were originally going to cast divine had that been possible. RIP. That would have honestly been great, but yeah, but this, the, this actor fucking kills it. But so like she makes these like really weird faces and her makeup is on in a way that like makes her face like very disorienting to look at. And Everyone is just like, you're fucking gorgeous. You're incredible. And like, well, she has this. I... Go ahead. Sorry. I think importantly, all of the drapes think that she's gorgeous and the squares yeah. are like, ah, yeah. you know, and if, like, like they've like flipped over a rock and saw something like creepy crawly. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And I, I feel like it's so rare to see women in movies that are like, what could be conventionally called ugly because like she's like she has makeup where like her teeth are like kind of like brownish and yeah like she has a very like disorient like the makeup makes her face sort of like disorienting and like not symmetrical in a way but it's like but i think the fact that like right like the the people in the movie that 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 we care about are like no she's hot as fuck yeah and she fucking is really good with this two foot long switchblade (laughs) yeah and like hats and then just like i don't know it's just like so rare to see in movies let alone just like a light-hearted rom-com that it's just like an excellent i mean you can barely get just regular girls who like aren't a size eight and like in a favorable light in a teen rom-com right. or even like movies in general you know so yeah yeah the moment where Oh my god. Whereas she like they're in the field stealing the helicopter that's just randomly in a field and she gets really excited to see the cow and then the cow gets scared of her and she's like really sad and it's like really sad and then Milton just comes up and like kisses her cheek and really really tenderly is like come on gorgeous and it's just like melts me. Yeah. There are just so many good dudes in this movie um, who just love regular ass ladies you know just are like ladies that like are not conventionally attractive because i mean because the other thing we have is a i don't know if she's pregnant i don't think she's pregnant in real life but like ricky lake playing a like very like a nine month pregnant yeah teenager with her just very like cute boyfriend who like wants to marry her even though she like already has two kids well three kids at the end of this movie yeah and the fact that like pepper in this movie is like we're bad girls we like use our tits to get what we want and we don't like give a fuck and like we carry knives because they don't fuck with us i think you mean our bazooms are our weapons actually (laughs) (laughs) thank you i cannot remember the line thank you um and it's just i want so much more of that energy yeah and i think it's not just that she has you know this incredibly sweet fiance at the end of the movie but that she, as a, like, right, fat, pregnant, teen mother, is, like, clearly desirable to other 
people like just generally and in the scene where like allison goes to like sing at crybaby like through the glass in the jail there's like five women who have come into the jail and then like five dudes behind the glass pepper is one of them and she's sort of like singing this song seductively and like dancing with just like a stranger who's behind the glass and he is like very clearly attracted to her and i feel like that's important i mean he might not be a stranger he might be one of her friends from turkey point but like he's not someone that's been like flirting with her or like you know that we've seen interacting with her previous to that moment and yeah it's like no she just she is a desirable person and i just think that's really important yeah yeah and i feel like just in general there are like so many john waters film where he's just like all these women are fucking dreamboat you know, incredibly gorgeous. And they're and like a majority of the time they're like not women who are like conventionally attractive. Yeah. And I think this is one of the things I just in general appreciate about a John Waters movie is that there's gonna be some like conventionally attractive people, but there's just gonna be a bunch of like also weirdos that I'm just like, yes, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> like Ricky Lake in this movie, I'm like, yes. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> okay. So as we've mentioned, this movie is a musical. Actually, apparently John Waters refers to Hairspray as his dance movie and to this movie as his musical. <laughs> okay. Because uh, there's like a lot of like really good like, we're talking and then all of a sudden we're singing and that's the dialogue. Anyway, but I think that the musical scenes in Slash Around the Jail are like some of the best ones in the movie. Yeah. Like the dancing is great and like the music is really good and like... It's still also, like, very silly. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, really everything in that prison scene is very silly. Like, when Hatchet Face and Milton break into the prison but don't find Crybaby. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, this, like, serves no purpose, but I'm loving that this is happening. And it's playing that, like, goofy music. I can't, I feel like there's a name for, like, that specific music, but it's, it's this like, very, like... Yeah, it's, like, not quite vaudeville. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, they're just very good. They're just great. Yeah. Yeah. I also really like that of the, there's a cut, there's a cut song, but of the songs that made it into the movie, all of the songs that the squares sing are covers and all of the songs that the drapes sing are originals. And I think that's really good. Are, are you trying to say, like, that there is something <laughs> sort of uh, appropriative and unimaginative about white supremacy? <laughs> Never would have guessed that. <laughs> just so good. Actually, it's really funny because the the songs, the song that the, that the square boys sing at Allison's grandma's charm school, mm-hmm. you know, is actually... Uh, there's a like scene in the show Lovecraft Country where the main character is at like a outdoor like dance party just full of black people and there's like live music they have like a like it's like beautiful beautiful voiced like live music singer and she's like singing like jazz or whatever and then she's like oh m- maybe y'all want some of that like white people shit and she starts singing that song that like and it's just like oh my god amazing. And so now that's all I can think about when I hear that song. It's that's so scene. good. 
And so I feel like for me, that makes it extra funny because maybe mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is this just was this just like the yeah, it's just, it's just like the like extreme white people song of the 50s. Because <laughs> I feel like, like, is that a thing? I don't know. Probably. So, maybe. Um, I really particularly also appreciate anytime there's a musical where it's both like the people are like performing music, but also it just does randomly like turn into a, like most of the musical parts of this are people actually performing, but then randomly, mostly in the jail around the jail scene, it does turn into like a proper musical where people are just singing their feelings. Yeah. And yeah. There's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like singing and dancing. And then like all the dudes in the like license plate, <laughs> license plate stamping factory part of the jail, are like clanging their mallets against the metal for the beat. And you're just like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Uh, it's so good. And then like, yeah, that's just like, yeah. And then like Mr. Jailer song where they're all like, with the crybaby and some of the like, you know, drapes around one side and like all the ladies on the other side is like so incredible. That I think might be my, my favorite musical number of this movie. It's very sexy. It's, it's so sexy. I mean, this movie in general is like kind of horny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But like also, I think kind of in the way that we're talking about, but I'm a cheerleader where it's like, it's not like R rated horny. It's sort of like PG 13 rated horny. I feel like the closest it gets to R-rated horny is, like, between Wanda and Dupree in that scene. Like, that, I don't know, maybe it's, I, I don't I think it mostly is, like, Dupree's acting, which is, like, fair. Like, Tracy Lord is incredibly hot, but you're just, like, the two of them, you're like, ooh, too much. Like, that's <laughs> too much, I can't handle it. All right, actually, this this is actually a great segue to, like, my last point, which is um, Dupree has a drawn-on pencil Little Richard slash John Waters mustache, and mm-hmm. I'm like, are you queer? Are you, <laughs> like, I'm just like, are you trans? Like, what's going on? Because, like, obviously we had mentioned earlier that his whole aesthetic is, like, perfect and incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, yeah, in a lot of conventional 1950s greaser movies, like you don't see black greaser punks. But like, he also has like a greased pompadour. And I'm like, you just seem, you just look so gay. Yeah. <laughs> and like drawn on mustache just makes it seem more queer. <laughs> he has a girlfriend. There's someone billed as Dupree's girlfriend. <laughs> so apparently he has a girlfriend in the canon of the movie. But I think also, again, like the fact that we're getting quote unquote heterosexuality through the lens of a like extremely weird gay man makes like a lot of the heterosexuality feel very queer. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think like all of these characters are queer. Like Crybaby and Allison are just like very obviously lesbians. You can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Now I'm just figuring. I don't, now I just feel like we missed out about Crybaby just being a lesbian. <laughs> in this movie. Right. I mean, Babyface Johnny Depp does look kind of like a butch lesbian, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, I think we've like already basically transitioned to personals, so let's just head there now. <clears throat> Unless you have other stuff here. No, I don't. But no, this is an excellent segue since my first thing is about. Circa 1990, Babyface, Johnny Depp. Yeah. (laughs) 
Welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff. Um, and totally, totally same. Um, my note is literally Allison was fucking doomed from the start. Like, no one could have Johnny Depp slash Crybaby. Look at them. The way that she is looked at by him in, like, the opening credits and have it go any way other than the way it goes in this movie. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the dude, like, Baldwin is cast. Like, the actor who plays Baldwin looks, like, fine, but he looks very, like... I don't know, very bland, like he'd be like a model in a Sears catalog kind of bland. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There was, there was no way. <laughs> no. His fucking jaw. Like, I just... I know. Listeners, Jesse and I, like, were texting last night. We were like, Johnny Depp is fucking trash. And that has nothing to do with, like this movie that was made in 1990 so that's it that's what we have to say about it yeah exactly i love that we had to like stop ourselves from having that conversation because we were like so ready to just like launch into a text discussion of like how fucking hot johnny Depp is in this movie we're like no save it for the plot i just there's honestly between like night the movies he is in between 1990 and 1999 is that when sleepy hollow came out peak hotness anything past sleepy hollow i'm like eh. and then when you find out he's a garbage poison it's even more like ugh. yeah you know i was never a big pirates of the caribbean fan and his makeup in there is not doesn't do it for me so no yeah he's incredibly hot ricky lake ultra fucking hot in this movie i mean she in general is a hottie but i don't know you put a like leather jacket on someone and you're just like yeah yeah and like tracy lords who is like very conventionally attractive but just playing like uh her attitude in this movie she just it's so good yeah she's so mean <laughs> god love uh, it yeah yeah, all of the all the drapes are just really fucking hot. And I mean, and then you have fucking Iggy Pop randomly, who's like hot in a sort of like rangy punk kind of way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He, in the scene where he's introduced for the listener who hasn't seen it, he's like taking a bath in a like metal wash tub, like in the middle of the yard. And he's like, you caught me in my birthday suit, but naked. And like, he looks <laughs> like, a, like a skeleton on like marionette arms like he is just <laughs> so skinny and so long and like the way that he moves looks like a puppet and he's still he's so confident that like he it's the goofiest fucking thing he could possibly be doing and you're kind of like hey gay pop <laughs> like, yeah no he is so like gangly looking and you're like how am i how are you still hot <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah and obviously Dupree already mentioned Ultra Babe in this movie. Seriously. Uh, there's just like a lot of hot people in this movie, which is honestly another reason to watch. Mm-hmm. So, and like, I don't know, it's it's very romantic. Like, all of the people we like get to stay with their partners and uh, Baldwin gets nothing because he's a mean little troll. Yep. I would love to talk about the amount of consent that we get in the, like, make-out part of this movie. Allison is like, I've never kissed with tongue before. And it leads to, like, one of the most horrifying scenes of kissing 
in the history of cinema, although we also had that in But I'm a Cheerleader, two for two in the gross kissing. I guess that's what you do in a campy movie. But yeah, like Crybaby like talks her through it in a way that's like not judgmental at all. It's disgusting. I stick out my tongue like this and you stick out your tongue and we just wriggle around and it feels real sexy. Yeah. <laughs> just... I'm like, I think there's a little bit more to French kissing than that. But I guess, you know, you're trying. And but we yeah. cut to like every single couple just tongues out. It is, oh my God, fucking Milton is literally sucking on Hatchet Face's tongue, which I can't imagine a more horrifying thing. But... He's really kind, is my point. And he, like, explains kissing. And then we get actually, like, multiple stages of consent where it's, like, he gets consent for the kissing part. And then he, like, wants to touch her breast and, like, asks if that's okay. And, like, she says yes. And then he verifies, like, again after she's been, like, okay, but, like, on top of the clothes. And he's, like, is this okay? And she's, like, yes. Like, fucking touch me. And you're, like, God... Consent is sexy. <laughs> like, and I feel like, despite the, like, very weirdly gross Frenching, it's sort of like, this is how consent can be sexy. I don't know. I feel like one of the things is like, oh, it's not sexy to, like, continue to act. I'm like, yes, it is. It is sexy when you're like, man, I just I just want to touch you. Like, can I do that? And they're like, yes. And you're like, hell yeah. It's fucking hot. Yeah, I mean, because she really does, when he asks the second time, like, whatever, I can't believe I can't remember exactly what she says, but it's basically, like, this very, like, desiring, like, I want you to touch me. And it's, like, that's so much hotter than just, like, doing the touching with, like, assumed consent or whatever. Like, hearing that and, like, having her express that desire out loud is, like, much more sexy than it would be without that, so... Yeah. Big fan. And it's like, he, he like, respects her as a person, which Baldwin does not respect her as a person. No. He's constantly violating her consent and, like... Oh, my God. Yeah. he Dude's the fucking worst. Um, I love when she's like, how can I think when you're always touching me? <laughs> like, good job, Allison. <laughs> she's like, get the fuck off of me. Like, get out of my, like, personal space bubble, my dude. Yeah. Ugh, what a movie. Yeah, what else do you have here? I should okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you brought this up earlier and I didn't want to like get into it too early. Um the part where Allison is like crying into the jar and then like is drinking her tears, she is like very clearly also masturbating. Like she is like chugging those tears as she's like having an orgasm and that is so wild. Like <laughs> I can't believe that's in a movie. It's very funny. It's so, like, yeah. 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 It's just like, wow, that's... You know, that's one way to feel close to Crybaby, I guess. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about research that we did. All right, I only have a few things. My first thing is, the scene with Crybaby when he's, like, crawling through the tunnels under the jail and he like drops down there's like all these rats and i'm like these are very good rat actors because those are trained rats everyone because they're live rats and they have an animal trainer and i'm like y'all they're doing a great job (laughs) i noticed 
when the credits were rolling that one of the animal handlers last name is Griffin and I don't know why but it just like makes me really happy that he has an animal last name and that his job is professionally having helping animals act in movies yeah that's incredible yeah because I really there's only like rats in that cow so I hope it, I hope he's a dude with the rats there's a there's a chicken in a cutscene too oh right there's a, well the chickens at the end too yeah anyway animal actors doing a great job mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, my second point is that towards the end of the movie, they they go to the new amusement park, the Enchanted Forest, which is in, was in fact a real amusement park, and was I th- like when I could tell one of the first amusement parks in the country. It opened in Maryland like a month after like the first Disneyland. Interesting. Uh, all right, <clears throat> my last thing is that so when they go to pick up crybaby and pepper and the judge finds ramona and belvedere a thousand dollars i looked it up because i'm like what is that in like today's money oh it's like eleven thousand four hundred dollars holy shit for them for him to charge them when some when some dick bags are the ones that like destroyed their entire like all of their shit and like destroyed like eight people's cars and I'm like that's some bullshit for real, the fact that she's like, that's everything we have. Now I'm like, oh my god, you have a thousand dollars. Honestly, even a thousand dollars now, I'm like, wow, you have like a thousand dollars. For real, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if John Waters did that math and like if he would have made that number smaller if he had. Maybe the point was to make it like applicable to people watching it in the 90s so that they wouldn't be like, oh, it's only like a hundred dollars, you know? I don't know. I feel like when you said a thousand dollars, I'm like, this is like a lot for like 1950s money. Yeah, agreed. Like, three cigarettes for a nickel. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, that's all I have. Cool. All right. Um, thank you all so much for listening to our penultimate episode of our summer camp series. We will be back in two weeks with our final episode about Spice World. Once again, go watch it if you at all can. And check the show notes for all of the things. And until next time. Beauty. Brains. Breeding. Bounty. Bounty.